everybody, what's going on? I'm your host, Nick Hamilton, alongside my partner, Scott Winter, and we have a jam-packed show on this episode of the Silver and Black Turf here on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. How crucial will the Raiders' defense be heading into minicamp and training camp? We'll definitely be hearing from defensive coordinator Paul Guther. How important is the pass rush for the Silver and Black? And could the MLS be muscling in on the Raiders' turf? We'll get into that and more coming up here. Now it's time to hit the turf. Scott Winter, what's going on? Oh, it's another day, uh, another fine day talking about Raiders football. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, man, well, let's hit the turf. First and foremost, we talked about the Raider defense, and we all and we've been we've been circling on that topic for a long time. We've been wondering how the Raiders defense is going to shape up under this new regime. And I mean, when I mean by new regime, yes, it's year two for John Gruden, but year one for Mike for Mike Mayock. Um, and so, what is, what were the Raiders going to do? We we went back into the draft period. And they went. They drafted young. They drafted very well. I was very impressed. So were you, um, and where the Raiders drafted, especially on defense, because there were a lot of gaping holes for them on defense. Um, one person in particular that, that really stood out to me uh, was Jonathan Abram, who was a young man who was uh, definitely turning a lot of heads uh, when it came to the uh, the Raiders and when it came to um, his coaching staff. Obviously, the defensive coordinator was thoroughly impressed by Jonathan Abram. Uh, this gentleman has a, a high football IQ. He's learning uh, plays as a safety very quickly, uh, which is very impressive for a young man of his stature. So what did you think about uh, Jonathan Abram so far? Well, the, you know, he's he's a, a, a true box safety um, and, and could even play a hybrid linebacker situation. I see a scenario where, you know, they can bring in a big nickel that he's going to, you know, be a part of that package you know you got a mobile quarterback in Jonathan Mahomes uh, excuse me Patrick Mahomes and if you took a look at what San Diego did against Baltimore in the playoff running running that big nickel you know bringing in those three safeties and, and playing fast this is a, this is that kind of guy he's a ballistic missile back there he's he's very good at, at, at picking up zones uh 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 swing um Swing routes, uh, screens. Uh, he's extremely aggressive. Sometimes that works against him. Sometimes he'll over pursue. Uh, he needs to rein in his discipline. But I mean, he's he's a he loves football. He loves hitting. Uh, in the in in the very true sense of the word, he loves to hit people. He wants to be on on every tackle. Uh, and and he he just he's an exciting player to be around. To me, I think he's the hardest-hitting guy coming out of the SEC. Well, I'm actually excited to have Jonathan because, listen, I, n- I never am too concerned about a guy whose motor continues to run. If he's too aggressive, I'd rather have him too aggressive than to be too passive. This is a guy who can all, who's picking up uh, safe, the safety position, as I said, very quickly. And then you got a great teacher in LaMarcus Joyner, and you talk about that nickel package. Well, LaMarcus Joyner has continued to learn that nickel package when he was with the Rams, and now he's extending it to the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders. And so when you have those kind of guys in at that safety position, they can cause some problems, not only for Patrick Mahomes, but you look at, you look at Phillip Rivers, you look, you look at other guys in the AFC 
uh, that they can go up against, it could cause some some natural problems, especially in that secondary. And that's something that we talked about on this show in, in a couple of shows earlier about what other Raiders going to do, especially when it comes to the secondary and the safety position, because it was a lot of question marks. And I think they've answered those questions when it comes to uh, a guy like Jonathan Aiden who can fill that gap. Now, is it going to be a learning curve at some point? Yes, absolutely. But at the same time, again, I'd rather have a guy that is too aggressive, a guy that gets after it, a guy that loves football, than to be too passive and worry about, man, is this guy going to put in the work? Is this guy going to be effective when it counts, when it counts against, especially against the AFC West opponents? Like we mentioned the Chargers, we mentioned the AFC Chiefs, we mentioned the Denver Broncos. So it's going to be crucial for this defense to really step it up. The one thing I learned about this defense is not only are they active, not only are they aggressive, but they've gotten younger. And that's something that we also question is how well they will they get younger in order to be competitive in the AFC. To me, it seems like they, they made all the check marks. Now, I know it's early. I know it's, they just wrapped up OTAs. They're heading into minicamp next week. So we'll find out more about guys like Jonathan Abrams, about LaMarcus Joyner, uh, to see how well they flow and how well they mesh. But as of right now, if I'm looking at them right now, I'm very, very happy. I'm very positive. Um, I have a sense of optimism when I'm going into minicamp with these guys because, listen, they are thoroughly impressive. Another guy is Max Crosby. Fourth-round pick, aggressive, loves to get after it. And it's interesting because when I look at Max Crosby, he is a guy that I'm saying, man, this kid is going to be something special. Well, he definitely has that uh, that within him. Another another guy that that flies around, uh, you know, defensive end, you know, a little light uh, in the hips and and, and the weight, but uh, working on um, adding weight uh, without taking away from his speed. Very aggressive. Uh, uh, Twenty, uh, excuse me, forty one tackles for loss, twenty sacks. Uh, both of those are uh, were second in the in the Eastern because uh, east from Eastern Michigan, small school. Uh, absolute one of the biggest reason that program from a small school aspect turned around. He was a part of bringing a loser and turning it into a winner. It's that attitude is exactly what the Raiders need because that's what they're doing. They're turning a loser and they're wanting to turn that into a winner. Take that loser, turn it into a winner. And they brought a guy in who has, he's very good in the locker room. He's very social, uh, you know, part-time rapper, and they've already put out some videos. He's a, he's a guy that's going to electrify people around him. He's going to raise the passion of those around him, and he can get after the quarterback. There's no doubt about it. Now, get a little weight on him, let him establish, um, you know, an edge. So that you know you can you can contain the run, and this guy absolutely could be very special. Uh, right now, I see him as a uh, third down or passing situation kind of guy. I think he has a good shot to supplant uh, Arden Key as the first guy in. There's there you know, but Arden Key absolutely. has been making strides. But I, I think that job right now it could change. I think that guy that's going to be the run defender right now is going to be Benson Mayoa, uh, you know, and Clone Farrell, of course, is going to be, you know, starting. He's a three-down guy. Oh, a lot of – I mean, a lot of guys have been raving about Clint Farrell as far as just his work ethic, the way he goes after it. 
Um, I'm thoroughly impressed by him. He's got good reviews thus far. But the one thing I want to talk a little bit more about is, is, is Max Crosby because I feel like Max Crosby is one of those diamonds in the rough. I feel like Max Crosby is a, is a guy that could definitely be a huge, a huge piece for that Raiders pass rush this coming season. Let's hear what defensive coordinator Paul Guthrie had to say about Max and where he feels that Max is currently. Max, he's, he looks like a, a Cadillac coming off the edge. He's long, he's loose, he's quick off the ball. And I think he's going to make big jumps here in his first year. I mean, it sounds like to me he's checking off all the boxes. I mean, when I look at Max Crosby, I'm I'm really rooting for this kid. I think this kid is going to be special. I think he's going to be a, a, get constantly improved week by week. Um, I'm looking forward to what he's going to provide, not only just in mini camp, but in training camp as well as they prepare for the preseason. Let me tell you something. I'm I'm being I'm starting to get impressed by this Raider defense. Well, there's a lot to be impressed about. Understand, they're running out around in, in, in uh, helmets and shorts right now. And, uh, you know, uh, Gunther even made mention of that. He wants to see what these kids look like, especially Crosby, when he's got the pads on. And, you know, that's going to be a make-or-break situation. But from everything we've heard from his coaching staff, his prior coaching staff, and and his teammates up there in eastern um, Michigan, he he checks all the boxes. He loves football. He wants to, I mean, he play, he wants to play it all the time, talk it, high football IQ, uh, and just one of those guys that you want to cheer for. But they got a lot of guys like that now. We mentioned Jonathan Abrams before. He's one of those guys you want to root for him. I mean, he, he's old school, trash chalking, you know, gonna jaw at you, gonna hit you, gonna blow you up if you're tight in, you know, I mean, that's, you know, or a running back. He's gonna, he's gonna nail you. And these are the kind of guys that Mike Mayock wanted to see. These are the kind of guys that John Gruden wanted to see. They wanted to interview these guys, and four hours later, they wanted to, them to be still passionate about talking football in their interview. And to well, me, you know, Jonathan Abrams showed up in a suit and said, well, you know, hey, man, you know, I'm going for a job interview. I'm going to look the part. The one thing I love about this defense is something, that, and, and I have to agree with something that Maurice Hurst had said when he talked about, you know, they have this team, especially the defense, has some toughness to it to us this year, some talent that we didn't have last year, which is absolutely couldn't be couldn't be more truthful when he said that. I think that was honest. I mean, especially when you look at the the the, the technique, because technique is obviously very important. But when you look at how the younger players are learning from the older players. And when you look how, uh, you know, the older players are, are developing and younger players, giving them certain skills, giving them, you know, bits and pieces of, of, of information that's going to make them better. This is the kind of camaraderie that we've been waiting for when it comes to the Raider defense. We were wondering what happened. Remember we spoke about this last week about even Vontez Burfick, um, and how he would be fitting in with the Raider defense, um, and all his past aggressions, but, it looks to me that Vontez Burfick, you know, is is a kid, is a guy rather, you know, is 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 definitely settling in. He's believing in 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 the Raider way. Uh, he's not trying to be quote unquote the star guy, um, but he, he's getting in where he fits in, and that's important. You have a, a guy like that who has who tremendous upside, very talented dude. Some people say he, you know he he plays dirty, and I believe he's one of those guys that does play dirty. But if he could play dirty within the you know color within the lines. And, and not be able to, to give up a whole bunch of penalties in a game, 
I say, why not? That's the Raider way. The Raider way has always been, you know, hard, smash mouth, hard nose football. And I think that's something that Vontez Burfick brings to the table. Um, you know, being that a lot of guys are happy to be back on defense and be able to play defense and get those reps in are going to be crucial as they make their way into mini camp and into training camp. And when you have guys that are on the same page, you know, and, and just really uh, – I'm amazed at just the energy um, that these guys are displaying, the younger guys as well as the older guys, and being in unison. And that's what's going to be another another thing that the Raiders missed last year is that I did not see the unity. I did not see the cohesiveness that they needed to be successful. Something I'm seeing even in OTAs, and, and I'm sure it's going to continue on into mini camp and the training camp. Well, not to beat a dead horse, but they don't have the max situation this year, you know, and, and taking a leader like that. And he wasn't, he wasn't there. He wasn't there all, all year, but everybody thought he was going to come in last minute. And then he didn't show up and there went your continuity. A lot of people who believed quit believing, you know, you, you Bruce Irvin moved on. Uh, it, it just, it, the team, the five guys on that team aren't even that, that started last year on that defense aren't even playing football this year right now. They aren't signed with a team. What does that tell you? I mean, that that was a stopgap, put a Band-Aid on. They ran out of steam in the second half. They, I mean, they played good football in the first half of most of them early games, especially. They they limited the Rams. They limited Miami. They limited the Broncos. They limited a lot of people in the first half and then just, just ran out of steam, got run over, gave up, you know, almost, you know, what, 150 yards a game rushing. Couldn't turn, couldn't get the ball, uh, back, couldn't get turnovers, couldn't get stops when they needed them. And it was, it was, it was, it was dysfunction at its finest. Uh, this, there was year, no this year, it's yeah, totally no different, totally different. Yeah. Leadership. It, there was, it wasn't much, you know, wasn't much, you know, Justin Jelly. Ellie went down first game with God all season. I mean, you know, the guys that were on that defense for any length of time, they they were worried about keeping their jobs, mm-hmm. but you know, and, or they were veterans coming from somewhere else. There was it was a mishmash. This year, you've got now you've got your two guys in the system. You've got guys that were, you know, Maurice Hurst coming in, um, PJ Hall coming back, Gary and Conley having a standout year last year, coming back for his third year. You know, knowing his place, knowing his role a lot better because he's going to be an island over there. And, and he's, if he continues on his progression, he's going to be, he, he's going to be one of the, one of the good ones, um, that people are going to look back, you know, 10 years from now going, you know, we had a good one there, you know, he's that kind of player. And then you've added a lot of young, feisty, aggressive, passionate players, you know, that, that, that Jonathan Abrams and Max Crosby and Clellan Farrell, these guys are vocal. They're vocal leaders. They're on the field leaders, off the field leaders, and they get after the ball. Well, how will, how long will this happen? I know it seems like we're in heaven. It seems like we're in paradise. But how long will this last? Can this can this type of cohesiveness, can this type of camaraderie last into the regular season where we start where it really counts and the wins start to pile up or the losses start to pile up? Can this continue? Can this be a successful venture? for this Raider defense in order for them to get to the next level. Because I'm still questioning it. I'm just happy that it's happening right now, but I still have some questions. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. 
who are these Raiders? Who is this defense? They're 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 playing they're they're playing teamwork and getting to know each other right now, and that's exactly what OTAs are for. That's exactly what mini camp is for. But when they get into camp camp, then it's all about getting the pads on and getting the reps in and learning the system down, playing physical and showing what you got with those pads on. We're going to see it's basically where the rubber meets the road. You're going to see what this team starts to get made of right during that, during that stretch. And then you go into the season. Now they're going to have a brutal season, a lot of road games, a lot of time away from home. That's going to test this team. Now, if they get some wins under their belt, confidence is a big thing. You take a look at the 2016 Raider defense, which played is a 20th ranked defense, you know, 20th in points, 26 in yards and all that stuff. But they had a plus 15 uh, takeaway margin and they didn't give up a point in the last two minutes of the game. They gave and they got stops when they needed to get stops. They gave up a lot of yardage, but they got stops. And it gave the Raiders and that offense and Derek Carr an opportunity to come back. He had seven come from behind wins that year, made, got the Castro Clutch Performer Award, and they went to the playoffs with, you know, 12 and four. And, you know, they lost because they didn't have Derek Carr. Well, but they had a team that was playing above itself because it believed. Believed okay, in so momentum. Are you, are you, compare, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So are you comparing this, this squad, oh, this up and coming squad to the squad that happened three years ago? The, the squad that happened three years ago was a perfect storm of, of personalities and, and they believed. But if it, I believe that this team can play above its, its ability if it can believe. Now, some things can knock the wind well, out of yourself. Belief is simply they, not enough. I mean, come on. They got to go out here and execute. Belief is one thing, but they got to go out here and execute. My question the is the talent can, is there. The talent is there. That's what I'm saying. The talent is there. They have to believe and they have to buy into this system. And being there young, you know how it is with young teams. Young teams, they are a roller coaster of momentum. Momentum can go one way, it could go the other way. They can get confident or they can lose confidence. And their play is affected by it more than, say, veterans. You know, you get a guy that's been playing back there, you know, eight, ten years they don't get they're not affected by the highs and lows so much they just they understand how it goes but younger players they tend to play better when things are going great and they tend to kind of not play as well when things aren't going as good you know it, it, things can 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 twist on a dime you just never know but i feel like the talent is there and they can keep the raiders in ball games and if they can do that then the offense, which is loaded, should absolutely be able to score points and win games for them. You know, it, it, well, it's a it's it's a a balance. You got to have both. No, you do. You have you have to have three sides of the balls: the offense, defense, and special teams. The one thing that I le- I looked at this Raider team from last season, and I'm looking at this Raider team, and obviously they were a disaster last season. They they underachieved. Last year, there were a lot of different moving parts. Um, we lo- you know, we saw the departure of Khalil Mack on the defense. Uh, we saw the departure of Amari Cooper on the offense. So it was a lot of it was a lot of confusion. But 
a lot of players that remain on this squad that are that have been in in, in uh, OTAs and heading into minicamp learned a very valuable lesson. They learned a lot of different lessons that prepared them and made them better. You know, when I look at Tahir Whitehead, for example, I mean, this is a guy that learned from the experiences of last season. I mean, he played all of the snaps, right? So it allowed him to really understand and comprehend the system. So as he's moving forward this season, it's going to make him more of an effective weapon on the, as a linebacker. And then him being able to go back and forth and talk with guys like Vontez Burfick on that defense only enables them to get better. And that's what I look at. I mean, you know, Vontez Burfick is, is, is a guy that can, that can show these guys as a veteran, hey, look, you're doing this correctly or you're doing this wrong or you flat out suck or you're absolutely outstanding. One of the two is going to come out of Vontez Berkeley because Vontez Berkeley is going to be honest enough to let these guys know where they come, where they fall short and where they achieve. And that's the kind of guy you need on this type of defense. Again, can Vontez Berkeley hold it together enough where he doesn't cost the Raiders yardage with penalties and cost the Raiders, get, cost the Raiders game? That's the, that's the question mark I still have over my head. But as of right now, when I listen to guys like Tahir Whitehead speak very highly of Vontez Berkeley, it does make me kind of rule in his favor as it pertains to not being so concerned about the behavior of Vontez Burfecht. Well, the thing about the, you know, again, about Vontez Burfecht is he knows his defense backwards, forwards, and sideways. He comes in here knowing exactly what Paul Gunther wants on that field. He knows how it works. He knows how it audibles. He knows where guys are supposed to be. He's absolutely going to be the quarterback of that defense. It is his job. It is his job until somebody can do it better. And basically, Gunther basically said that. It's his job to lose. And I don't see him losing. I think he's going to come in here. He's going to play he lights out football. Now, as far as is he going to cost the Raiders some penalties, this is the Raiders. The Raiders get penalized for hugging a quarterback. I mean, Arden Key got penalized for coming up, holding up, and, and chest bumping a quarterback. Didn't even knock him down. And he, and he got a penalty, 15-yard rough the passer. He's going to get penalties because he's on the Raiders. I mean, I could be out there. I could be golden two-shoes, not even touch somebody, and they're going to throw three flags. So it's going to happen. But that defense is going to run so much better. And then you got guys behind him like Benda, who is a student of the game, who's going to sit around him like a sponge. You got guys – um Markel Lee, same thing. Young players, young players, and then they then they picked up, you know, you know, young little linebacker, uh, undrafted free agent, you know that 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 should have been drafted probably fourth round. You just never know. I mean, but these guys, there was it was such a deep class. So many people fell out of the fell out of the draft. So they got a lot of guys, you know, and, and then they got better Marshall in there. This defense is going to play a lot better. Now, is it going to be uh, better than 20th? It hasn't been lower than 20th in years. You know, uh, is it going to be a the possibility? It is. Uh, what? I, what? The key things that I want to see this defense do. I mean, it, it's great to talk about. It's great to see them communicating. It's great to hear them, you know, vibing because they are. There, there's a certain vibe on this team that wasn't there last year on this defense. But I want to see them pressure the quarterback. I want to see them not necessarily get the sack, but pressure 
pressure, force those turnovers. Because I want to see turnovers. I want to be. I want to see a plus, at least a plus one, plus two every game of turnover ratio. I want to see um, run stop, and it doesn't. They don't have to be the best against the run. They need to be able to do it when it counts. When they bring out that monster and they got a little bit of a lead and they're going to run the ball down your throat, they could do it all day long last year. We need to. The Raiders need to stop that run, especially in those crucial moments. They need to get those stops. They need to play more aggressive. And then they need to have that stamina because they fizzled out in the second half of a lot of games. I want to see them play 60 minutes of football, not 30 minutes. As we all do. All right, we're going to keep the chains rolling, but we're going to take a quick timeout as we move down the field. Is the MLS trying to muscle in on the Raiders' territory? We'll come up with that information and that answer on the other side of the break. All right, y'all, welcome back to the Silver and Black Turf here on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. I'm your host, Nick Hamilton, alongside Scott Winter. And uh, before the break, we got a little interesting information when it comes to the future of the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, we all know that, Ra- that Vegas is a growing sports metropolis. We all heard about the Las Vegas Aces or the WNBA being there. We know about the Stanley Cup appearing uh, Vegas Golden Knights couple of years back as they were an expansion franchise in the NHL and now we all know that the Raiders are officially moving to Las Vegas as their stadium is about 50% or so uh, complete but here's the interesting part we all know that UNLV is going to be also housing uh, their, their football team inside the Raiders stadium but also too there's been talk of an MLS franchise being another tenant inside Raider Nation. My thing is this, okay, Bill Foley, who obviously uh, who owns the Vegas Golden Knights, who's been very successful so far in the sports world in Vegas, has decided that he wants to bring an MLS franchise to Las Vegas. Now, it's ironic because, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Bill Foley not fully on board with the Raiders and their stadium being in Las Vegas? That would be correct. That would that would be correct. Hmm. And, 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 you know, and there's a, take a look at it's just one of those things. You know, he had to pay, uh, and MGM had to pay uh, full price for their for their arena. Of course, uh, we're only talking like five hundred million as opposed to two billion. But right. there was a little bit of you know, well, wow, we didn't get no money. That's kind of I think that was more of that. Plus, you know. They wanted to be the only show in town, you know, being the only pro team in town. And now the Raiders are coming in. The Raiders bring the NFL, and you know how the NFL rolls. I mean, yeah, it's the number one. It's the number one sport. It is flat out. And Raider Nation is deep, as I as we as we said numerous times on this podcast. Raider Nation is deep in three different markets: L.A., the Bay, and and soon to be Las Vegas. Um, the thing about it is this, when I look at what Vegas is turning into and I look at what they're coming in for, listen, the Raiders can play anywhere. Their fan base is decades deep. And I want to know 
you know, why Bill Foley had a sudden change of heart. Because to me, I know he's looking for other venues, but he said he's not opposed to playing in the Raiders stadium. Now, that's interesting because he also said that he wants to make soccer uh, successful like he made hockey, which absolutely MLS is growing. Um, and he ne- he declined comment on huh, having any conversations with the Raiders of Mark Davis. And Mark Davis declined that he had any conversations with Bill Foley, which tells me those two have talked. To what extent, we don't really know, but they have talked. And it would not surprise me in the least if they did not go ahead and just make a deal for the MLS franchise to play inside the Raiders stadium. Because even more, I have to agree with Mark Davis, you have 365 days to fill that stadium. Okay, you got eight home games from the Raiders. You have X amount of home games for the UNLV football team. You're probably going to host the Pac-12 championship one of these years. You're definitely going to host the Super Bowl. So what other what other time do you have besides filling it with concerts? Okay, you might as well have an MLS franchise. Then they just they just we just got news today that you know the Las Vegas Bowl is going to be held there now too. Not that it was <laughs> it was expected, but it's official now. They're going to host the Las Vegas Bowl, and they're going to be able to offer up better matchups, you know, for, um, for that bowl, well, you know? Yeah. I need, to, I need to know from Raider nation. Are you guys cool with a soccer team being inside the brand new Raider stadium? Cause I don't know how Raider nation feels about this. I'm thinking they may be cool with it. They may be like, hell no, nah, get your own spot. And I couldn't blame them either way because the Raiders have spent $2 billion on getting their own stadium. And UNLV, yes, is is the little brother that's going to be coming aboard, which is fine. But do you really want a soccer team inside your brand new facility? That's the question I have. And I don't know if Raider Nation is cool with that. I know if I was part of Raider Nation, I don't know how cool I would be with that when I had a guy tell me he was opposed of my team coming to a brand new city like that. And he wasn't, he was opposed to the stadium because the stadium was also using public money. I don't know well, how I would feel about that. But, I mean, hey, you know I what? Am. I had a chance to meet Bill Foley. He was a really nice guy when I went to the NHL Awards a couple of years ago in Vegas. Really nice guy. Um, very open to the media. Um, he's had success with the Vegas Golden Knights. And so I think it only helps the city of Vegas. I think it only helps the sport. I think it even helps the Raiders because now they get that extra money that they, that they need for having another another tenant housed in their facility. So I think it's a win-win if they decide to do it. But again, do I really want them messing up my field playing soccer? Well, you know that what they can do, you know, they're going to they're the right now currently um, how it works out is the Raiders are the only ones that are going to play on a, on the uh, actual thawed rollout grass because UNLV is going to play on turf that uh, artificial turf that's going to be there while the grass is outside. They're not going to play on each other's uh, field, uh, from what I've heard. Now you know that can change, but for now you know the, the way they can have their turf has their colors and all of that. And understand. I'm, you know, I'm very happy that UNLV is part of this because I feel like that goes to justify more of having that stadium built. I mean, 
without the Raiders, they were gonna have, they were gonna build a five hundred million dollar stadium, and it was gonna be public money to make it if they were gonna get one. So you know, I mean, to me, I feel like you know that that you need to have that partnership with a college team. I feel like it's a better use of pu- the public funds, you know, and, and those kids are getting opportunities to go to school. And I mean, it, it, it's a big deal, a big picture kind of thing. Now, if I'm a Raider fan and I'm a ticket holder, anything, if that stadium's making lots and lots of money, then it's possible that the ticket prices will be, will stay within reason. You know, if they need more money, of course, they're going to hike ticket prices. Um, sure. You know, I'm not saying that there's any guarantees so out there, question. but, you know, that's, you know, are you, yeah, are you opposed ahead. to the MLS being inside the Raider stadium? Or are you for it? If they, if they decide to go that route. I, I'm neutral for it. I, I mean, I feel like it, it for the team from a success point of view, financial stability, that sort of thing, and more money is better. Anytime a team can make more money, um, it's better. I mean, if you take a look at what they do in Texas, I mean, they have rodeos. They have, I mean, you think an MLS team is bad. Wait till you have, you know, a hundred bulls and steers, you know, crapping on your field. I mean, you know, so. It can't be any worse than, you know, you picking up L. So, I mean, it only makes the field grow. But let me be clear when I say that it's not a done deal. It's not guaranteed that they're going to use the Redder facility, but that was that was spoken about when it came to a location. Now, also, too, uh, you know, Foley did speak to the city council um, who voted to approve a 180 day exclusive negotiating agreement between the Renaissance companies uh, for a deal to build with uh, on the new uh, MLS stadium on the side of Cashman Field, according to the Las Vegas Journal uh, Review Journal, I should say. So. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens in the coming months. I'm sure they'll strike a deal if the Raider if the Raiders happen to be have another tenant uh, who happens to be an MLS expansion team. Then so be it. I think Bill Foley is the is a good owner uh, to bring that team in there, and I think it only helps the Las Vegas sports landscape when you have two of the most powerful entities in sports. When I when I say the NFL and the MLS, because the MLS is constantly growing, just like you know, the NFL being the number one powerful sport uh, right now. So who knows? I mean, I, I could, in about 10 years, may, well, let me say this much. In about maybe seven to 10 years, I can see Las Vegas having the Raiders, having the Golden Knights, um, having the Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA, and also having an MLS team as well as an NBA franchise. I can definitely see that happen. Um, but it all de- de- depends on the success of teams like the Raiders, like the Golden Knights, like the Aces. Well, you have to also look at the demographics, and I don't mean to stereotype here, but the fastest-growing segment of population in Las Vegas is Hispanic. And, again, not trying to stereotype, but statistically speaking, Hispanics, their favorite sport is soccer. You know. uh Football, and you know when I went to the lights games, I went to the first lights game that they ever had out there, and they had there were so many Hispanics. I mean, it outnumbered everybody, and they were you could hear them, and they were cheering, and they were loud, and they were having a great time. And 
again, it's it is their sport, their chosen sport. I mean, you know, we're talking in general. I'm not talking, you know, specifics, but if that demographic continues to grow and, you know, get them to, you know, necessarily come to hockey games, they do. They come to football games. They go see baseball games too. But I believe that it's going to be fertile ground for a, for an, for an MLS team there. And I'm, you know, it's unfortunate that the World Cup is, uh, you know, a little bit on the shady side and decided, you know, they want to, make sure everybody's up to snuff and you know they want their damn pockets greased um and they didn't get that they didn't get to host the world cup because that would have been that would even been better you know to jump start this stuff but you know that's my own thing i you know they'll go to other countries and won't won't make them comply but you know i look at it i look at it this way man i think the mls is a growing sport not just amongst the latino population but it's a growing sport amongst americans across the board, whether they happen to be white, whether they happen to be black, whether they happen to be uh, Asian or what have you. Um, I think it's just a growing sport, period. And I think Absolutely. that just like the NFL had to grow and continues to grow its market um, and its sport, even, even, even with it being the number one sport, it only helps everybody else involved in those markets. I mean, you look at uh, what NFL did in Los Angeles with having not one but two teams. And how it's starting to build up the markets here in LA. Um, so it can only help that. But like I said, we'll see what happens. We got mini camp coming up next week, which should be very interesting. Uh, we'll see what happens and we'll talk a little bit more about that with mini camp. We'll get into, uh, where Derek Carr is and how he's feeling. Uh, what his, what, let's, let's, uh, you know, we'll see what happens up with that. So we'll figure it out and, uh, we'll make it work. We'll see what happens. Thank you so much for tuning in to the turf. It's time for us to step off the turf here on the Silver and Black Turf on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. Of the players, slick talkers, and collar poppers, narcotics, and boss ballers, pit bulls, and the rock rollers, niggas with gold teeth, old schools on gold feet, killers and OGs, task posts and the police, Mac off the foothill, East 14 to Brandy Park, Brookfield, Plymouth, and Walnut Street. From the building seminary to the rolling 20s, we ghetto celebrities like Big Feet and Little D. You see the East Bay Dragons, it's the home of the Panthers, with niggas like tons of crack and feds catching on camera. Throw you in the slammer, it's the home of Show and Hammer. Boss ballers, Move to Atlanta, nigga stole our grammar. That's my workers, that's my nephew, that's my weeples, that's my nizzle. Please believe me, go for cheesy off the hizzle, do your thistle. With my niggas riding dope feet, riddles, rock residential. It's like crack, pack, pistols, every track I sizzle. Cause I'm a waiter, Oakland Raider. From the Bay to LA to Las Vegas. Cause I'm a player, a boss player. And if you with me, pop your collar, shake them haters. I'm a waiter, Oakland Raider. From the Bay to LA to Las Vegas. Cause I'm a player. I'm a raider, just like my niggas before me, but I was a thief without the open face, gold teeth, and in gold was some fine ass Oakland Raiders, and two 
Detroit was the first Oakland Raider on the set. Now, Blue Man was a Raider when he was fucking with that. And Astori X was a Raider when he was a water to stay. And Dangerous Dane was a Raider when he was calling hoes names. But I know, from the lake on Sundays to the 5 Now we to East Mont with the side show. But it's fun, and I'm famous, but I ain't trying to die, though. Niggas be going out in the game, but not I, though. If I have to go back to dope, I'm swinging for survival. Now, Blue Pippy do, if you hoeing and he pippin' you. Tried it for 30 days, I ain't lying, I ain't with it, dude. A babysitting job? Oh my God, that's a job. But I still wanna do it, cause it's 100% odd. I'm a Raider, Oakland Raider. From the Bay to LA to Long Vegas. Cause I'm a player, a boss player. And if you make me pop your collar, shake them haters. I'm a Raider, Oakland Raider. From the Bay to LA to Long Vegas. Cause I'm a player, boss player. And if you make me pop your collar, shake them haters. Since 93 till infinity Some underground shit that just shook the fucking industry And Humpty with his gone ass A raider in his own right The whole D you can't forget you amped on sight Now Mystic, she the only female raider I know You the shit baby girl, I'm just letting you know And last but not least Tupac Shakur, nigga, uh, rest in peace I'm from the city of dope, the town of the crack I'm from the city of pimps, the town of the Mac East Oakland, heat totin' Ebonics speech broken, keep joking. The loonies about to have the streets smoking. Down south, y'all keep smoking. Hey, we got that killer throwing eight Heron and kilos for days It's the city of the warriors, the home of the A's Where niggas get sideways, shoot out some highways, nigga East Oakland, bitch I'm a Straight up, take your hoe. Dollars all day long. You know how we do it in the town. Crystal, big dank. That's the way we roll. Old school, sitting on 20s. It don't make no difference. Floating, doing it all. Get them nigga from the East of Mountain Mall.